Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's special teaching in Psalm 73, I Almost Slipped. Paul will go on to tell Titus of the great, great saving grace, that we were justified by grace despite how we used to be. In my early 20s, I bought a Maserati, uh, and one of my uh, normal routines prior to becoming a Christian was to drive by my high school in my Maserati. Now, do you know why I did that? Because I was hoping that someone who knew me would see me in my Maserati. And I would play the song, my Maserati does 185. Now, just so you know, that's not a worship song. It's a self-worship song. But that's where I was at. When I went to the gym and lifted the weights, what was I trying to do? I wanted people to envy me. Wow, look at him. Look at his car. Look at... What a sad way to live, right? But that's, I have to admit, that's who I was. And I did, much of my motivation was for accolades from man until I met the Lord and realized how silly and stupid those endeavors are. And yet I have to say I was one of them and I want to be careful when I'm being critical that I don't forget the grace that I received because I was a man, an envious man. And... When you're in this mode of thinking, Asaph is going to show us that you can use hyperbole. Things can tip in a direction even if they're not true. Look at what he says about the wicked and the proud. He says, there are no pains in their death. When they die, they die smiling. Their body's fat. They're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Seem to not get the sicknesses that other people get. Pride is their necklace. They wear the bling of pride. The garment of violence covers them. They're violent people. They seem to get away with it as long as you steal under $1,000. Their eye bulges from fatness. You can see the fatness in their eyes. They're not eating Top Ramen or Little Caesar's Pizza. And their imaginations, oh, the imaginations of their heart run riot. They invent new ways to do evil. I don't have to tell you about all the stuff that came out about Jeffrey Epstein and the islands and the abuse and all this wicked, unspeakable stuff that happens in our world. And worse, if anything could be worse, they mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They've set their mouth against the heavens, that is, against God. And their tongue parades through the earth. They will call out heaven without even a second thought. And they'll parade their sin through the streets of the earth. And I don't have to tell you that that's very literal in our day. And you wonder, Lord, how much more will you take? How many more fists need to be raised up against heaven until you fry the landscape? Until you deal with these people? You all know what happened to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm a huge Dodger fan. I've been a lifelong Dodger fan from the time I was a little kid, watching the Dodgers play the Yankees in the World Series, back to the days of Steve Garvey and Davey Lopes and Bill Russell at shortstop and Ron Say the Penguin at third, Steve Yeager. 
And I remember those battles against the Yankees, the hated Yankees. If you're a Yankee fan, you should repent. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe not. <laughs> and Reggie Jackson, remember those three home runs he hit? Some of you are like, no, you're old, Pastor Michael. We don't remember that. And he was running around the bases and you're Reggie Jackson. And finally we beat him. I think it was in 1981. And the Dodgers had the blessings of an Italian manager named Tommy Lasorda. It's just a side note. Because Italians have to always tell you that they're Italian. (laughs) And the Dodgers, of all things, during their Pride Month or Pride Night, invited the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Who are they? Well, they're a group that there'll be a guy acting like he's dying on a cross and another guy is stripping and he's going around the cross like he's on a gymnastic bar in barely no clothing. And they mock the nunnery. They mock the Catholic Church. They pretty much mock God and all Christians. And so the L.A. Dodgers decided that this would be a great idea. Now, do you know how they got there? Well, they hired as their marketing manager a gay activist. Now, is it any surprise that he did this? So they schedule this, and there's a lot of blowback. They cancel it, and then they schedule it again. And the Dodgers, as an organization, alienated probably three-quarters of their fan base, who happened to be, maybe more, who happened to be Hispanic Catholics who fill up that stadium almost every night. Amen? 50,000 people. So as it happens in our congregation, when the congregation knows I'm in mourning, they get me gifts. This is a, a gift I was given. Now, the explanation is black is for mourning, and the upside-down logo is to show that hopefully they'll turn right side up again or something like that. So I've been told that I need to garden in this hat now and play all softball games in this hat. <laughs> and you say, Pastor Michael, why, why, are, you, why are you beating on this? Well, here, here's my point. Why would an organization alienate the bulk of their fan base? That's not even, let's put aside the Bible and our Christianity just for a moment. As an organization, why would you ever make that decision if you're in business to make money? But these are the pressures of the culture. And this is what's going on. And it's hard to understand how it even makes sense as a businessman. But they prayed and it says, uh, the NIV says, their mouth lays claim to heaven. They, They say things like, we're God. Therefore, his or their people, look at 10, return to this place. They turn to them, apparently. And they keep drinking the Kool-Aid. They drink the waters of abundance are drunk by them. They keep drinking in all their words, New Living Translations. And, and it leaves people dismayed and confused. And you're like, what is going on? They say something like this. How does God know? And there's no knowledge of the Most High. If there is a God, do you really think he cares what we're doing? And he's going to do something about it, really? Behold, some reverse. These are the wicked. Always at ease. Increasing their wealth, even in underhanded ways. And it gets worse. He says, surely in vain, I've kept my heart pure. I've washed my hands in innocence. The Holman translation says, did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? Is everything I've done as a believer been in vain? Empty? Paul put it this way. If there is no resurrection, then even Christ is not risen and we are to be pitied most among men. Why would anyone bother to keep their heart pure when all this stuff's going on and it seems like there's nothing that happens. There's no retribution. I haven't seen uh, a Sodom and Gomorrah. I haven't seen the worldwide flood. There's evidence of it, but I'm surprised that you haven't fried the landscape. 
And more than that, 14, I've been stricken. I'm a believer or plagued all day long. It feels like every day I go through trials. And chastened, which is the word rebuked, and it has the implication, God rebukes me every morning. I'm a Christian. I decided to follow Christ. You know what it feels like? That if I'm not sick, God's spanking me. <laughs> is this what I signed up for? And oftentimes we'll joke with people who become Christians. Well, we didn't tell you all the fine print when you walked down the aisle. <laughs> we thought we'd hold a little of that back. But the truth is, if we knew everything we might get as believers, the spiritual warfare and the difficulty, we might think twice about bounding down an aisle and praying a sinner's prayer, etc. Have I done all of this in vain? And if I had said, remember he's a leader in the church, if you will, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. The New King James says, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. If I told people what I was really going through, well, it would be a betrayal. I'm a worship leader. How could I do that? Let me just say a word about this. Practically speaking, if you are going through a season of doubt, you're not alone. And I would encourage you to talk to a trusted spiritual resource that can guide you. I'll give you another story from the recent Basics Conference Guy stands up, asks a question of a pastor that's speaking, and it's a group of pastors in the audience. And he says, I know of a pastor in a church who's in a season of doubt. In fact, he's not sure he even believes the Bible anymore. Should he stay in the pulpit? That was the question. And the pastor answering the question said, no, he should step aside for a season and get some help with whatever he's going through, and prayerfully, hopefully, he'll be restored. But no, he shouldn't stay in the pulpit. Now, the point is, isn't that he's disqualified. That's the point of this whole thing, right? Struggles and doubts are real. But the pastor wisely said he shouldn't be in the pulpit while he's not sure if he even believes what he's preaching. But he can get some help and be restored. And I will say another word about this. If you're having a season of doubt, don't write your book in a weekend and publish it. The reason I'm no longer a Christian, because you may change your mind in a week. We got a lot of that going on. People rushing to do radical things and they may have a change of heart or they're too young to even know what they're doing. And I think you know what I'm talking about. I would be careful to slow things down and ponder. That's verse 16. When I pondered to understand this, think it through, get a little time away. It was troublesome in my sight. Now, now uh, Asaph is going to say, even when I tried to think it through and slow things down, I was still, I was even troubled even more. What do you do then? Well, that's all the bad news. Now, you guys ready for some good news? We'll move quickly. Everybody breathe. Okay. Now, we needed the bad news to get to the good news. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived, discerned, understood their end. I saw their eternal destiny. It didn't come together for me, we might say it this way, until I went to church. Amen? Now, if you don't think church is important, let me tell you something. When you gather with God's people, he inhabits the praises of his people so that Paul would write to the Corinthians, surely even an unbeliever will say God is in this place. The teaching of the word of God goes forth and it often will bring comfort. It'll establish you, strengthen you, challenge you, exhort you. You need it, I need it, we need it. Amen? 
We come in the gathered assembly to incite, literally, one another to what? Love and good deeds. If we forsake the assembling, we miss out on that. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you are a longtime listener to Walk in Truth, we could use your help. We are excited to announce we have the opportunity to broadcast on a new radio station, an opportunity that will help this ministry reach more people like you in Oahu, Hawaii. Our mission with Pastor Michael's teachings is to equip listeners with God's Word in a way that helps them address today's issues, trends, and culture. But before we say yes to this opportunity, we could use your help. The price to broadcast on this radio station daily is $2,491 a month. Can you partner with us to reach people in Hawaii? Would you become a Walk in Truth partner today? Your financial commitment of at least $20 a month would help us reach this goal. We have until the end of September to raise these funds. If you become one of the 125 new partners, you'll be part of the team bringing God's truth to more people. That means four people would have to make a commitment each day until the end of September. Would you be one of the four now? Please begin your partnership today by calling 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. We come in the gathered assembly to incite, literally, one another to what? Love and good deeds. If we forsake the assembling, we miss out on that. Oftentimes in an assembly, there's baptisms to celebrate, people making commitments to the Lord. We're encouraged. There's the Lord's Supper to remember and to find strengthening at his table. We use our gifts, and in using our gifts, the body is built up in love. Ephesians chapter 4. I could go on and on with the benefits of assembling with the people of God. And when we don't, and I think this is part of what's going on right now, we miss out. And while I know the screens have helped certain people in certain contexts watching live streams, and there's an audience out there that probably needs that or can get that in addition to what they're getting at their home church. But here's my point. We have got to be assembled together, brethren. It is in the sanctuary, and I, and I realize that the sanctuary in that time was more the temple or the place where the ark was, but you get the point, right? Wherever God's people are assembled, supernatural things tend to happen. We see eternal realities like we wouldn't see unless we had been confronted with them. Amen? There are things that I just flat out need to hear even if I don't like them. I need truth. And I see eternal realities when I'm in the midst of this kind of setting. Surely, here's what he saw. Notice how it flips around. My feet were about to slip, but I see them. You set them providentially, you could say. They're the ones in slippery places, 18. You cast them down to destruction. Talk about a slippery slope. How about a person one breath away from an eternity separated from God? You ever done a Google search? Look up stars who died in 2022. You will be shocked. People are going to eternity left and right, brethren. You don't, we don't live forever. We get certain amount of glory days, and if you're lucky as an athlete or an actor, you'll get you know, a certain set of years, maybe five, maybe ten, where you're at the top of your field. But it doesn't last, and people will move on from you like nothing. They'll forget you even died. And when the psalmist went into the sanctuary of God and saw eternal realities, he said, they're the ones about to slip. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. It's like waking up and all of a sudden you're in eternity. 
When my heart was embittered or grieved, I was pierced within. I was troubled. I was senseless and arrogant when I was going through this stuff, he might say. I was like a beast before you. You know, animals do everything by instinct. They do everything just for the moment. They won't think about the consequences to grab that piece of meat and being caught in the trap, etc. This is how I was thinking. I was not thinking like a human made in the image of God, but like an animal. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You've taken hold of my right hand. I can't help but think of Peter here. And if you guys have been watching The Chosen, I know there's been a lot of slack that The Chosen has gotten as a series. If you listen to Dallas Jenkins explain things that you've probably heard on websites, I think you'll find some pretty good clarity that'll bring peace to you. Dallas is a believer, but he's doing a Hollywood production, and with it comes the challenges of actors and all of that. So season three, the very last episode, Jesus walks on the water, and they've, they've used some creative license, and here's the picture that they paint for those of you who have seen it. Um, if you've not seen it, this will ruin it for you. Um, in the backdrop, Peter and his wife have lost a child. And Peter's out on these missions with the Lord, and the Lord's doing miracles left and right. He's reaching out to Gentiles, and, and Peter... As the, the episode goes on, he's becoming more and more bitter because he's like, I'm one of your main followers and you let my child die and you're healing all these people that have nothing to do with our nation or the covenant people and he's obviously upset. So they get in a boat and they're going to the other side of the lake and they hit the storm and you guys know the story and Jesus comes walking on the sea and Peter, the way they depict it is Peter's kind of angry and he says, if it's really you, bid me to come to, the water, on, to you on the water. You know, he believes but he's struggling with unbelief. And he gets out of the boat and he comes walking to Jesus and then he starts looking around and and everything's kind of crazy on the the Sea of Galilee and he begins to sink and Jesus reaches down and pulls him back up. And Peter keeps repeating as he holds on to the Lord, don't let me go. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. And I think it's, it's a pretty interesting take on the struggle of faith. We know Peter struggled. We don't know if that was the exact struggle, but... I thought it was pretty insightful. You will take hold of my right hand, even when I feel like I'm sinking. With your counsel, here's how I can make it through. You will guide me. I got to stop keeping my eyes in the wrong place. I got to get back to your word and your counsel. And afterward, I know where I'm headed. You'll receive me to glory. What's the big philosophical questions? Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? They're all answered in the gospel, brethren. Amen? Amen. This is what Asaph learned or was reminded of, we should say, in the sanctuary. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. You know, when you start thinking the right way, you'll say, in the morning when I rise, you can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. Amen? That's when you know you're thinking correctly. Wesley, on his deathbed, the great Methodist hymn writer, he was thinking about these kinds of things. He called his wife to his bedside and dictated the following. In age and feebleness extreme, what shall a sinful worm redeem? Jesus, my only hope thou art, strength of my failing flesh and heart. Oh, could I catch a smile from thee and drop into eternity. Beautiful, on his deathbed. Now, I want to say to you that this next verse has become precious And here's how it reads, and we're almost done. Hang on just for another couple of minutes. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I want you to try to memorize that verse for yourself. 
My flesh and my heart may fail. I know I'm weak, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The Levites didn't have a land inheritance. The Lord was actually their portion. So this was literal, if you will, for Asaph. But I want to tell you a quick story. Some of you have heard that Pastor Alex uh, has had some episodes with his heart racing in the last couple of weeks. And uh, people have been praying for Pastor Alex, and I have his permission to share this. And uh, his heart has elevated sometimes to the point where he's just sitting, and it's like he's doing extreme exercise. That's how fast his heartbeat has been. And so he's been to the ER three times in the last couple of weeks, and they're trying to find out, you know, if something's gone on with his heart or whatever. And it's scary to be sitting and have your heart racing at that level. And some of you have probably experienced it. So when I was on vacation in Idaho, I felt the Lord nudge me to this psalm. And this is probably a good week ago. And I, I began to look at it and study it. And Alex told me that his grandfather sent him a get well card that he received, I think, in the last couple of days. And on the front of that get well card, the scripture said, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And he said to me in the hallway before first service, Pastor Michael, of all the verses my grandfather could have chosen on a get well card, and of all the scriptures that you could have preached on on this Sunday, you preached on the very verse that my grandfather sent to me. And neither one of us knew, but God knew. That's the faithfulness of our God. And I say that to tell you, God knows what you're going through. Even if your heart is racing or you've gone through a loss or whatever it may be, I will find strength in God, even in my weakness. For behold, last two verses, those who are far from you will perish. God doesn't want people to perish, but they got to repent and trust Christ, be born again. You've destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. These are eternal realities. But as for me, notice how he's going to end it. The nearness of God is my good. We draw near to God, he'll draw near to us, but you know, we know that even when we fail, he will never leave us or forsake us. The nearness of God is my good, and I've made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of your works. You've been listening to I Almost Slipped, part three on Walk in Truth. And that's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's special teaching in Psalm 73. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station. If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, my prayer for you is that you've been able to listen to this three-part teaching on Psalm 73. And if you haven't, go back and listen to the previous broadcast. I think they will benefit you greatly. But as we consider the turning point in the psalm, it's really Psalm 73, 17. It was all kind of a mess until I came into the sanctuary of God and a spiritual perception um, came into the heart of Asaph. It wasn't a change of location or even a change of circumstance or maybe even, you know, up until that point, mindset. But when he saw the Lord, when he was among God's people, when he came into the sanctuary which of course at that time would be the temple. But the point is, when I came into the corporate assembly of the worship of God, 
everything changed. I, I had a heavenly perspective. I could see with spiritual eyes. And, and, you know, that's the key, really, brothers and sisters, my friend, to everything in life is to see with discernment, to see things from an eternal perspective. And speaking of eternal perspectives, my prayer for you is that this would help you have a deeper one. And if you don't even know what that means, how do you have an eternal perspective? It means that you're thinking about things that will last forever, not just the temporal. And I'll tell you, it will help with so many things when you have an eternal perspective, when you have a kingdom perspective. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You've been listening to Walk in Truth. This is a teaching in Psalm 73, a Psalm of Asaph. I pray that you've been blessed by it and that you've been encouraged by the teaching as well. We are going to do another Psalm of Asaph right here next time. And we're going to look at a topic called Teach Your Children Well from Psalm 78. Are you a parent, a grandparent, great-grandparent, teacher? Maybe you teach Sunday school. Maybe you're mentoring someone else. Look, we're all teachers in one respect or another. We have spiritual children, if you will, if not natural ones. If you have the gift of singleness, you're pouring into somebody else. Tune in for the next several broadcasts as we learn how to teach our children well right here on Walk in Truth. We'll see you next time. God bless. And join us tomorrow for one more of Pastor Michael's special teachings in the book of Psalms called Teach Your Children Well. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.